Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the coconuttiest trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is November 17, 2022. From Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. And from Jakarta, I'm Andrew Nazri. Yes. Hi, welcome back. So, I hear the world's population has exceeded 8 billion people. What? Fuck me, there's 8 Praise billion me. people in the world? Indeed. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my you god. You set me up for that one. Um, <laughs> you, you wrote a story about, I think it was a baby boy? Vinny? It's was it Vinny? Oh my oh, god, sorry. it was a baby, baby girl. girl. Yeah. A baby girl symbolized that fact. She was, quote unquote, the 8 billionth baby to be... Wait, how does it work again? 8 billionth? baby to be born in the world I mean, no, that can't sure. be sure right. like she's she's human number eight billion right sure right? sure she yeah. is yeah so yeah she was yeah. born in a hospital and yeah she has to carry that title all throughout her life um and yeah, yeah. do go to coconuts manila for that story but i do want to ask you sam is it time for us to stop making babies Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Isn't that sort of the best case scenario, right? If you could do the baby making act without it actually leading to babies each time you had to do it. <laughs> no. I mean, I think I think Malaysia, you know, you know how Malaysia produces like rubber for condoms, right? Durex basically right. gets all their rubber from Malaysia. So Malaysia has uh, has to step up its game and so like condoms become cheaper and can be distributed more throughout For the world. Sure. Oh my god. And yeah, maybe I don't know, add some range <laughs> in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be like all why I'm part of the population development commission. Now I want to tell you to control your babies. Okay. Uh, no, um, but yeah. no. No, but your story, that story gave me anxiety, seriously, because we know that, okay, a lot of humans do good, right? Right. Wait, let's put sure. it right there. But Way there's more never been, <laughs> yeah, there's never been like destruction of the earth of this scale, probably in its entire history. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know I sound like a hypocrite because I do have a child, but, you know, I'm not going to have any more. One of the reasons being that. And also children are stupidly expensive. And yeah, I don't know. What about you? I don't know, man. Like, I would sound like such a huge hypocrite because, I mean, I do like the idea of having kids. Mm. But I also understand that I, by doing so, I would be sort of doing my part in sort of seeing the world to its inevitable burn. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and, and so, the yeah. flip side is you're also bringing the kids to such a fucked up world. I know, fucking hell. Ugh. I mean, being born in the '80s and '90s was when it was at man. Like right now, jeez. But like, didn't we have our own like? What, what wasn't wasn't the whole conversation about the world coming to an end already a thing during the? 80s? Oh yeah, but it was about you know it was about. Ozone layers. Oh my God! Do you remember? No, it that? was about the year, the, the year two thousand, the whole millennium thing, and everything setting to zero, and all the planes are. Oh yes! Holy shit! The whole prophecy that, that thing. Was, yeah, that was <laughs> that was funny compared to this. But anyway. I mean, I guess in a way we are fulfilling that prophecy. So yeah, we are. Yeah, maybe just we're just. It's been taking us twenty-two years of global warming, a pandemic, and, right. and all that terrorism. Oh goodness. 
On a lighter note, right okay. What? <laughs> on a lighter <laughs> note, we're gonna we're gonna deliver to you the the top stories of the week, and they're not all that bad. Maybe. From a man painting artwork with his peepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. So Sam, it's summit season. We've had the B20 summit, that's a business 20 in Bali. And also this week, it's a G20 summit and also APEC in Bangkok. But um, I, th- I don't think, you know, there are undoubtedly going to be interesting moments that come out of all these summits, but I don't think any of them will hold a candle to Mr. Elon Musk appearing virtually for Mr. The- Twitter, Mr. Twitter, Chief Twit. Appearing virtually <laughs> at the B20 Summit of Global Business Leaders in Bali. So uh, do go on over to Coconuts Bali to view our screenshot of uh, Elon Musk and uh, in a really strange super villainy purple hue around his face. It's, it's just unsettling. <laughs> it is super unsettling. I can't help but feel that it was intentional, though. I know. But I don't know. He's he's equal parts idiot, and I guess you gotta hand it to him for like founding Tesla and SpaceX and all that. Exactly. He comes off like such a buffoon. It boggles my mind. He sounds more like a chief twat than a chief twit, you know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm allowed to say that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So apparently. Uh, his plate was too full for him to make the trip to the island of the gods, you know, because he did say he was going to attend. So the panel began with Musk explaining that they had just experienced a power outage at his location three minutes before the start of the call. And he said, that's why I'm bizarrely in the dark. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. They talked about his batik shirt, him teasing about investing in Indonesia's nickel potential because, you know, nickel is an essential component to electric car batteries. Sure. Um, but then, um, you know, he's been in the headlines a lot recently for all his Twitter exploits. And then Bakri joked if he, if Musk would uh, consider taking a trip to Bali to get away from it all and relax. And then he said he would love to come, but quote, my workload has recently increased quite a lot. No surprises wow, there. I have issues. too much work on my plate. That's for sure. Oh my God. Why is this guy ranting to just a bunch of, you know, business people in the room? Okay. I, I don't know. I, I I really think he's been losing it even more so yeah. than before, before after the yeah. whole Twitter thing. And and uh, and you know how his acquisition of Twitter coincided uh, with the midterm elections in the US? Right. Um like he wouldn't he probably wouldn't say it candidly uh, outwardly but you know he is aligned with the right obviously sure um, and the elections didn't really come out the way he probably would have hoped um uh, so right. that's so. 44 billion dollars well spent exactly yeah. oh well but so. if you want to watch his entire interview go on over to Coconuts Bali for the write up and also the video in that article i know and see elon musk surrounded in the dark by candles i think he looks purple yeah. it's so weird he does yeah. look purple okay on to more summit boo-boos right it so is. this time in bangkok 
where there was an embarrassingly error-filled APEC welcome sign that I don't know why anybody didn't manage to proofread before deciding to put it up at an expressway. But this is why editors are important. Exactly. We do the Lord's work. This is why you pay your editors. Okay, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so a welcoming message for participants at this week's APEC Summit in Bangkok that featured two major mistakes has apparently already been fixed as of Tuesday morning, the Expressway Authority has confirmed. So they already managed to fix all of its LED welcome signs for the APEC meeting and are now spelled correctly after one sign which was seen along the Chalongrat Expressway went viral for featuring the word welcome spelled welcome. Welcome. Well, without the E. You should probably spell exactly. it out. <laughs> Welcome yeah, we, without the letter E. I Welcome. was going to, but then I was going for like an, an, an emotional pronunciation of how one might interpret it if, if you read it, right? So it's yeah, sure, W-E-L-C-O-M. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so welcome. So yeah, obviously the internet being the internet, a lot of people were quick to share the gaffe at, after it was spotted on Monday evening with some expressing their embarrassment that this would be the first thing APEC representatives would see after arriving. Again, why didn't anybody proofread this? But yeah, and the country flags that were seen below the spelling mistake were those belonging to G20 countries and not APEC members, which kind of makes it Yikes. worse. Yep. <laughs> and it appears all the flags were removed from the sign after the misspelling was fixed. So not only did you misspell the word welcome, you welcomed the wrong countries. Bangkok. Yeah, I mean, I was going to give them a pass because we know Thailand's not an English-speaking country, right? Like, right, exactly. Happens. It happens. It's fine. It happens. But right. the flag, the flags got me, though. Like, ooh. Exactly. Like, did, really? Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so deputy spokesperson for the prime minister's office confirmed that the message had been corrected and apologized for the error and requested that the public refrain from sharing images of mistakes to maintain a good image for the country as APEC leaders continue to arrive for the summit. Yeah, yeah guys. Uh, I guess take away, pay your editors. Okay, bye. Really well. <laughs> really well. <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> okay, Sam, I don't know if this has ha- ever happened to you, but, you know, luggage mix-ups is actually pretty common, right? It happens every Thankfully, day. no. Right. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Well, I've had like luggage uh, delays, but not exactly mix-ups. I haven't had my luggage being sent to the wrong airport in like an entirely different city. Okay. Yeah. But that exact thing happened to President Joko Widodo's son, Kaisang Pangarap. Oh, no. People who have experienced this, they would have through to go through the loops and all the bureaucratic hassles of trying to like obtain their belongings right okay but uh, you know him being the president's son i guess he does have the privilege he's known for his like cheeky and light-hearted persona like he jokes all the time this guy he's like mm-hmm. he's still 27 uh he tweeted that batik air which is like the full service airline of low-cost carrier lion air um had boarded his luggage on the wrong flight so he's going from singapore to surabaya in east java but his luggage mm. went to Medan 
in North Sumatra. That's like How thousands of miles that? away. It's it's no really, way. really really far. Yeah. Oh so he tweeted, God. "Yay! I took Batik to Surabaya, but my luggage arrived in Kuala Namu, which is the airport in Medan. Thanks, Batik Air." He tweeted. But you know, again, the whole privilege thing. A few hours later, he right. tweeted. The luggage is safe. Thank you, Batik Air, along with another tweet showing that he has received this luggage. And he's he's been like, you know, like he's a, he's a really cheeky guy. And he all, he retweeted tongue-in-cheek comments from netizens implying his privilege. Um, so he was just like playing along with it. And so one user wrote, it turned out that Batik Air service follows one standard. Everyone's equal. There's no differentiating the son of a president with the common folk. Oh you know, my God, was, okay. That, that was tweeted uh, sarcastically, obviously. And Batik Air apologized for it and said that it will learn from this, basically. So yeah, well, hope it doesn't happen to you. Son. Yeah, I mean, I, like I've heard stories of people waiting for weeks to get their, their luggage back. I know. Uh, I was just reading. I was just reading one story earlier about like a guy who took six weeks to get his luggage. Mm. Like that is a nightmare. Imagine like having to travel, like you booking a trip to like I don't know where, and then it's a month long trip, and it takes you six weeks to get your luggage. That would have been yeah such a horrible thing. Not only won't you have access to your clothes and maybe your um. I don't know, cosmetics and whatnot, but you'll also be robbed of your favorite vibrator. Oh, yeah. oh my God, yes, of course. How could one forget? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. I know, right? I, I always put it in like that special compartment in the yeah. like in, in, in the luggage because it's too big to fit in my hand carry, obviously. Hitachi. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the longest time I thought it was like home it's like a home appliances brand. It is, right? I know but, it, it does, but they also make like the best uh, vibrators, apparently. Well, I mean, because a vibrator is essentially a massage thingy, thingy magic, yeah. right? It's it's practically yeah. the same thing. It's practically the same mechanism. It's just it just all boils down to marketing, really. So yeah, yeah. So on over to Malaysia, where a Malaysian court rejected the government's request to forfeit designer handbags and jewelry that were seized from Najib and Rosma. <gasps> yeah. Surprise, surprise. So yeah, the high court denied the government's request to forfeit uh, 80 million ringgit in high-end goods that were confiscated four years ago from the disgraced leader Najib Razak and his wife Rosma Mansour in connection with the 1MDB scandal. So Muhammad Jamil Hussein of the High Court made this decision on the grounds that there was no indication that the things were purchased using 1MDB funds. So it seems that Rosma will get to keep her handbags after all. So the expensive wow. goods in dispute include 29 handbags, 7 Richard Mill watches, and 2,435 pieces of jewelry that were taken from an OBYU Holdings-owned condominium on May 17, 2018. So the is it pronounced Richard Mill? Like, I, I don't know these luxury brands. Like, is it pronounced Richard Mill or Miller? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who cares? It's not like we're going to ever own one. But um, I did look up uh, what 80 million ringgit translates to. Okay. It is 17.6 USD. Jesus. All of that. 
But then again, there's, as they say, there's no indication that it came from all one MDB. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same, but yeah. I mean, seventeen point six million is peanuts, basically, compared to the whole money lost. Oh yeah, and, right. So, like the seven watches in question that we were just talking about, Richard Mill said that. So the high court apparently accepted that they were gifts and they cost about four million ringgit in total. What the? While fuck? the handbags, yeah, were not. On proceeds of unlawful activities. How can watches seven watches cost seven four million ringgit? Well, I, I I know how you know fucking luxury economics, but uh, really annoys me. Oh, you wow. could build schools with that, basically. Of course you can, but hey, you know the rich get to keep their keep, and everybody else just kind of languishes nearby. <sighs> so, what else is new? That was really cynical. <laughs> I know. But that is the world that we live in. So let's stop making babies. Okay, let's stop making babies, maybe. <laughs> Speaking of babies and exorbitant prices, we go on over to Manila, where Filipinos have compared grocery prices between Singapore and Manila and have called basically the situation here as having first world prices with third world wages. So... I don't know if you've been following um, our stories over the past few months. Uh, it's really no secret that you know Filipino shoppers have been bearing the brunt of inflation rates this year, coupled with staple goods shortages that have led to increases in market prices. And no prizes for guessing who incidentally happens to be the Secretary of Agriculture while all of this is happening. It's President Bongbong Marcos. So yeah. just to illustrate how dire the situation has gotten a number of filipinos have begun comparing the prices of goods in supermarkets abroad versus those at home so this this isn't actually the first time but one post in particular kind of like caught people's attention so this was on reddit and somebody showed receipts literally showing that one can purchase more with 650 pesos which is just basically 13 usd in singapore than in manila so Hmm. as this user yeah Right? You would have never guessed. I don't know. I know, exactly. Like, you know, everybody goes on about, you know, how Singapore has such a high cost of living, blah, blah, blah. And Manila isn't so. But yeah, you know, that'd be the case because fucking inflation and because we have fucking artificial market shortages. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. as the Caesar writes, uh, you know your country screwed when 650 pesos can get you this in a first world country. And then it showed a photo of a grocery haul in Singapore that included a carton of eggs, bananas, carrots, cucumbers, cabbage, a bag of calamansi, which is like, you know, the small green limes, onions, and a loaf of bread, which isn't actually, that's not a bad purchase. Meanwhile, comparing it to the Philippines now, a kilo, just a kilo of cabbage and carrots each cost 100 pesos, which is 2 USD and 120 pesos respectively. So imagine, so you'd be getting like one of that, six kilos of that, and that's what your 650 would basically get you. So the user went on to directly compare prices between Singapore's fair price supermarket, which is where he bought the purchase, or where he bought the whole grocery sort of thing. And oh. the local SM supermarket where 700 grams of red onion cost 125 Singapore dollars, which or which is equivalent to 51.79 pesos, which is super, super cheap, or 91 cents. While in the Philippines, it could cost 168 pesos. 
And a lot of our food, actually, a lot of the Filipino dishes that you cook with will always have some sort of garlic and onion that you saute with. So can you imagine that, you know, you're missing out on this really, really staple ingredient because it's so goddamn expensive? Dude, you are fucked. I'm just looking at the prices and like, right? I know, right? Right? And I remember you telling me a while ago that your gas prices, especially after the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. It was insane compared to ours. At least like double, if not more. I mean, triple. You know how like when you drive by a gas station and then they have like the huge signage where Mm -hmm. it shows you like how much the prices are. And then mm-hmm. there are like these like sort of like the slot things, like the like the rectangular boxes where they kind of like slot in the digits. Yeah. Right? Like it's already gotten to a point where we're practically worried that there's not going to be enough slots to, to show the actual prices. Because I don't think when people were making those, you know, those signages to begin with, that they imagined that the prices would go up that high, like, mm. you know, three digits or it's just fucking exciting. So this clearly shocked a lot of Filipinos online. And they were saying things like, holy shit, the prices in the Philippines are more expensive. But the base salary is incredibly low compared to Singapore. And I think I did write something on Coconuts Manila a while back where the median salary in the Philippines would be something like around 30000 And this is even like on the optimistic side, right? 30000 mm-hmm. like a month. That would be equivalent to 600 USD month that is wow. like the median salary right yeah for people and that's then you jakarta have these prices. basically as well but we yeah. don't have these prices exactly you don't have these prices yeah. again it's like what they said right first world prices with a third world income so Indeed. hang in there oh, buddy well. thank you so andra i'm sure you've heard of chicken rice right mm. right right yeah Exactly. Hainan, chicken rice. So yeah, I was just in Singapore not too long ago. And I did partake in this, I guess, something of a national dish. And it is Mm. sort of like having a moment now. But not in Singapore, but overseas where somebody has made a Hainan chicken rice sando. And so (laughs) we don't know what that's about. But thankfully, we have Del coming on board here regional managing editor to talk to us about what exactly the fuss is about this sandwich. Hey, Del. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So, um, yeah, first of all, chicken rice is like the star of Singapore cuisine, I would say. Like everybody who comes down to Singapore, like SM said, the first thing people would usually tell tourists to try is chicken rice. So, I can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a very, <laughs> it's a very simple dish. It's really rice and chicken. And, you know, people rarely get creative with that. Yeah. And you have that in all the cultures, I suppose. So the special thing about it is probably the sauce and the chili and the way the chicken is cooked, I guess. Because in other cultures, it's roasted or, or, you know, there's fried chicken and rice sort of thing. But in Singapore, it's it's this way that it's like a poached chicken. And you get like the skin, it still looks like, you know, it's like, it's not fried or roasted. So it's just very white. It doesn't look very nice in pictures. It just looks colorless. But yeah, some (laughs) chefs in LA decided to go, you know, crazy and do their own take on chicken rice, which is kind of refreshing, I would say. And those pictures look good. I mean, I would try. They do. Sando, yeah. (laughs) I know. I mean, I have to be honest, like at first, it sounded kind of gross. But then when I saw it, it was like, oh, so it's basically chicken salad sandwich. 
and then yeah. you're adding like all the soy, the ginger, and all the yummy bits that make you know chicken rice so great. And I was like, yeah, huh? That's actually I mean, not a bad idea. Okay, but do they actually put rice in the sandwich? No, so I think it's really just a variation of the chicken. So okay. I think it's all the sauces and the vegetables, like the cucumber and stuff, it's all in one, which is kind of handy, you know? Like okay. sometimes I just want to eat yeah. something that's like uh-huh. all in one <laughs> instead of like a handy. soup. Handy is a nice way to put it, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't be averse to like having rice in the sandwich because, you know, yeah, we burritos. Like a burrito. Hello. Yeah. 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 But if you're but, looking for the rice version, there's Hainanese fish rice in one of the restaurants. So that like low-key looks really delicious. I would, I would yeah. eat Yeah. But what has the the reaction in back home in Singapore been to this invention? I guess like Singaporeans, when, when something local goes big abroad, they get like proud of it, I guess. So it's like they, they try to claim it like, yeah, this looks great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the OG is still here. So come to Singapore to try. And you can see that in like the comments uh, in that post. I think there was like somebody saying like, wow, it looks nice. But I'm going to Singapore next week. Can't wait to eat the real version. <laughs> <laughs> so I think ha, so ha. it's like a, it's very nice but passive aggressive in a way. It's like a, it's a Singaporean treat, I guess. <laughs> Which is, I guess, sort of on brand for Singapore. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> passive aggressiveness. Well, you know, Del, we know you're well traveled. You're like our culinary expert, basically, right? Because I can't write, I can't write FNB stories for shit. Unlike you. Anyway, you mentioned in your article that, you know, uh, even though it is somewhat of a national dish in Singapore, the Hainanese chicken rice is like, it came from southern yeah. China, basically, right? Yeah. And other countries have, have their own renditions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like for me personally, my favorite two chicken rice from Singapore and mm-hmm. KL. Oh, okay. Which yeah. of those two <laughs> would, you, would you like take with you on a deserted island? Oh, actually, I, I do like the Singapore one, I have to say, this one. Because, like, I like oh. the steam. Because I, I know, like, in KL, they, they tend to do it roasted. Am I wrong? Right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. I do like the steam version. It's that, like I say, it's, like, colorless. It doesn't look like much. But it's really in the rice, you know? Like, I feel, mm. I really like that flavorful rising. But anyway, do you know in Singapore, you have chicken rice flavored potato chips? Wow. So, Whoa. Yeah, okay. really. <laughs> okay, yes. Oh my god, yeah, we're doing a little snack exchange. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and yeah, so for context, Andra, I, yeah. It's oh my god, like really? Chicken rice onigiri at one point. I tried that and it's it's kind of bad, but you know, it's okay. like being creative. I gotta give it to them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Huh. For, Interesting. For context, Andra, I gave. Dell and the team a shitload of um yes. Filipino snacks when I came over. <laughs> so I guess, you know, she's returning well, the favor. When yeah. I go over I, there, I I'll be sure to yes. bring you the do you know Chitato? Oh my god, I love Chitatos, yes. Yeah, Migarang flavored. I kinda oh, like I it. love it. It's yeah. a bit, I kinda, it's I, a bit I really salty like for it. most. Yeah. Yes, I'll bring I'll bring some over. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And uh yeah, we'll see you again soon, Delfina. See ya. Thank you. See ya. Okay, Sam, the whole discussion with Delfina just got me thinking. Which of your national dishes would you like to see sandwichized? Adobo. 
For sure. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Yeah, so I think yeah. it would Well, like, hmm. actually, there, there are a lot. Like, this question, like, okay, if you asked me this and I had to answer you seriously, we would take so long because I think that there are so many dishes that would be so great in sandwich form. But, yeah, I guess, hmm. you know, if I had to answer off the top of my head, that would be a dobo for sure. And there have been, right? But, yeah, guys. Oh, yeah, dobo yeah, yeah, bani. Oh, my God. Like for Indonesia, oh I would say God. rendang. I'm I'm gonna claim rendang. Right oh, here. for sure. It's it's not Malaysian, it's it's Indonesian. Uh, I would say rendang, but then again, I think people have been doing that. The McDonald's occasionally put out a special burger. Uh, I think a rendang that tastes like rendang. So good. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my let's, God. Uh, let's uh, start a new venture. Hmm. Rendang burrito. Now there's an idea because for you. some rendang that come with beans too, and like we can have rice in there. Ooh. As well. Yes! Oh my god, we can have rendang and adobo burrito. See, you know, Andra, mm. if our coconuts careers don't work out, then fuck it. We'll start a new venture, <laughs> right? The podcast uh, goes to shit. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually, um, all this food talk is making me really, really hungry. So fuck this. Fuck this is all this. the time we have in this week's episode of the WTF. So yeah, I'm fucking starving. And uh, we'll see you again. We're going to go grab lunch. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency Grove. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grow. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andre Nasri. Our executive producer is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian Singh.